I, I could say it's the best, uh, like the best thing that has ever happened in my life. Um, you know, it, ups and downs for sure, but um, getting out of where I was at and, and giving this a, a shot um, is the best thing that's ever happened to me. Um, my life is it's better than I ever thought it was could possibly be. And I, and I mean, and I mean that like just within myself, like not, I don't have shit, you know, like I said, I still live in this sober house, like I, all that stuff, but like, what, what's going on guys? Welcome to another podcast of silencing a stigma. It's me here tonight, along with <laughs> just you, <laughs> just you, along with Austin. What's up? What's going on? And I have two very special guests tonight with us as well, and it's Steve and Matt. What's going on, guys? What's going on? Hello. <laughs> Getting used to the podcast experience here. <laughs> they're they're new to this. Um, they're this is their first time, and um, probably their last time <laughs> after the intro you just did. <laughs> So I filled them in a little bit about what we do, what our purpose is on silencing a stigma. So I'm going to let them start a little bit, just say a little bit about themselves. And then I have a couple questions for them. So whoever wants to start first. Matt does. <laughs> so I, I, can, I can do it. I can take Ask it on. Questions. Okay. Ask so questions. before we get started, so how do I know these guys? So Matt and I go back. We were trying to figure that out probably 2018. I thought you picked them up today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just picked them up on the street. No, Steve, I did. I just met Steve for the first time tonight, and Steve is roommates with Matt. And Matt and I met in 2018 through a mutual friend who was living in a sober house. And Matt was there one night. Um, I remember the first night I came there, you had fireworks. <laughs> and you were so excited because you were at the fireworks store. I don't even know if they were legal at that time. Yeah. Were they legal? Okay. And so he was showing these fireworks, and that's when I said about the snap things, that you put them underneath the toilet seat, and then mm. when somebody sits down, like... Firecrackers. Yeah. And then our, our friend, he was like, oh, yeah, you two will get along really good together. <laughs> so we, we did a couple things. We went to a couple meetings together. Um had a meeting on the back porch is where we really got to know each other, I think. Um, and then it's been on and off for a couple of years. We run into each other. We don't see each other for a while. And then we run into each other. It's like we just saw each other last week. We shared a lot of stories together. So that's how I met Matt. And Steve is his roommate. So I met Steve tonight. I don't know much about Steve, but if Matt wants to just say hey and I'm sure Steve will fill you in about himself. Okay. So, <laughs> so like, the funny thing, um, me and Matt get out of rehab, because it's funny that you're just talking about that. We get out of rehab, and he picks me up to go to a meeting. And, like, I turn around. I'm in the front seat, and I turn around, and, like, I'm telling you, he had bags upon bags of those fireworks. <laughs> probably the same ones. And, like, I, Shoot I'm, them off illegal in the city, right? Well, you yeah. know, I, <laughs> I'm just thinking, like, what the hell were you doing before you went to rehab? Like, <laughs> you know, like, when, when I go, like, I'm, I have, like, a garbage bag of clothes. That's it. Like, everything's gone. Like, I have nothing to live for. And I'm just thinking, man, he's probably having a good time, like, <laughs> blowing up fireworks and stuff, you know? Messing with people. I never saw your fireworks being lit. Did you I really do it some. back there in that parking lot? Yeah. Okay. 
on special occasions or just randomly? Randomly. <laughs> okay. Cops never came? No. Okay. They were afraid. Well, like when they when the fireworks became legal throughout the whole city, it was just fireworks all the time. Okay. So they didn't know really where they were coming from. They thought they were bullets being shot. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't. Oh, yeah, that's another story. Oh, what, the window getting shot out? <laughs> yeah, so my first time ever going to their sober house. First of all, I didn't know what to expect. I literally thought that this friend was using that alleyway as a, as a resource that he truly didn't live in that house because when I would drop him off, he would always go in the back alley and I would say to the girls work, I'm pretty sure he doesn't live there. I don't know where he lives, but I'm pretty sure I'm dropping this guy off and he doesn't live there. So when he brought me, the first time he said, do you want to come in? I was like, yeah, I guess. I guess I can come in. And so I go in and that's the day I met you with the fireworks. But before he shows me, introduces me to Matt, he shows me the window in the dining room and there's like a bullet hole. <laughs> and then it came through the window, right? And hit the doorway to the kitchen. I forget where it hit, but yeah, I just remember the window got shot out. It was an accident. It wasn't. <laughs> you think? Well, no, because the neighbors were uh, not so good. Yeah, they. Uh, they didn't like your fireworks. <laughs> but literally, you could have been walking through that doorway, and you could have been shot. And I'm sitting there. Oh my gosh, what am I doing here? Like this is crazy. But I, I'm like, did you call the police? They're like, no. Like, it was random. I'm like, okay. So I think everyone who hears this is going to be terrified to go to a <laughs> sober or recovery house. It was just in the neighborhood. <laughs> it happens. It's, it's, it's York, you know. Yeah, it um, is York. You're right. any inner city, I guess. Uh, but they weren't targeted, Steve, so. No, I don't think so. <laughs> Let's talk about the sober houses. Yeah. You said you wanted to get to know more about them? Yeah, I want to just understand. So on these podcasts and in articles and things like that, people mention sober houses, recovery <coughs> houses. So can you first explain to people what the difference is between a recovery house and a sober house? So, like, for the most part, because I feel like every house could be different. Okay. Um, every house kind of sets their own rules, but... You know, from my experience, for the most part, um, recovery houses compared to sober houses are more strict. Um, You know, you, because usually you go to a recovery house from a rehab, um, from jail, from some sort of institution. um, And there can be like blackout periods. you know, from not having your phone or contact of the opposite sex, there can, uh, most recovery houses, at least in this area, I don't know anything about recovery houses anywhere else, but you'll have to do a 90 and 90, which is 90 meetings, 90 meetings in 90 days. And you have to get your little, uh, sheet signed at every meeting you go to. Um, there's curfews in these houses. You know, you can't be out past a certain time. You have to sign in and out where you're going, who you're going with, what time you're leaving, what time you're supposed to be back. So you guys have like a, a sign-out sheet basically for the whole house. Yeah. Um, like I said, for that's for recovery houses. And then like sober houses would be the next step. Like 
support is freedom, I guess you could say. And like I said, every house can be different. Whoever owns it pretty much like decides yeah. what rules are going to have. But, you know, the main thing is to stay sober and varying degrees of freedom. Some have more, some have less, but, you know, you can kind of have people over. You can go spend the night's places without asking or with permission. You know what I mean? Gotcha. Um, At the sober. Yeah. And then. You know, no signing in or signing out. You just kind of... It reminds me of a high school when you had to sign out to go to the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Do you, What do you think those rules are put in place for? So, all right. Like, so, like, and even, like, a little bit about myself and stuff. Like, I started drinking and using drugs real early. Okay. Uh, drinking at 12. Um, I was doing crystal meth by the time I was 14 years old. Is this all out of curiosity or is it... I, I couldn't really tell you that. Okay. Um, product of my environment, curiosity. I, I'm an alcoholic. Gotcha. Um, you know, have that hole in my soul where I found something that fills it, and like, and I ran with that. Um, so I talk, I joke about this all the time. Like, for me, I was playing uh, little league. Um, I was playing with GI Joes one day, and like, then I'm partying the next. Okay. I didn't really get to um, learn how to live ever. You know, so like what that recovery house was for to me um, was to learn how to live a little bit. So, um, and also like, I, I mean, for a lot of people, it's just the last resort. It's the last place to go. Mm-hmm. You know, people get taken, get put there from like a jail or a rehab or whatever. Um, for me though, I mean, in a sense it was that, like I needed to get away from where I was at. Mm-hmm. You know, so I came to York, I went to rehab and went to a recovery house not really knowing anything about it, but like what I definitely got from that. And I don't have too much experience with, I was only there for a few months. Okay. Um, but what I did get from that though, was I learned to l- live with other people. Number one, um, which taught me like a responsibility in itself. You know, uh, look, I never, I never did chores. I never knew how to, you know, um, follow any kind of rules. I never knew how to live. And, the recovery house for me was like getting that structure. kind of that structure started. Mm. I never had structure unless it was being locked up or in the rehab or, or whatever. Gotcha. You know, so that structure, um, it really got me started and, and the, you know, it's a blessing. Um, cause Matt mentioned the 90 and 90 and stuff like that. I never would have done that. If I would have got out of rehab and went, you know, to on my own, I never would have went, you know, but I went to that recovery house and, uh, it was a requirement to do a 90 and 90. So I started, um, I started going to the meetings and stuff like that. And I started getting to know people. I met Matt in the recovery house, right? Okay. Um, I started getting to know people. I started like, people were there like welcoming me, you know, and it changed my life for sure. Is it fair to say, like in my experience, um, meeting people and going to these homes that, it's like a close-knit family. It's a very supportive program, regardless of whose recovery house you live in or sober house. Like, it's a really close, unique community. And they say York is, like, the headquarters for recovery in the whole state of Pennsylvania. I read that somewhere, and somebody else shared that statistic with me, that a lot of people come from New Jersey, from Pennsylvania, um, to York. 
like they send them to York. In my experience, I've met, you know, family, um, not, not everyone for sure. Uh, you know, we were talking earlier about things in, um, out of the recovery house I went to, me and you, um, might still be the only people around. Uh, yeah. You know, but still, I still met like a lot of good people there, mm-hmm. and, um, and yeah, like it, I, I mean, it is I, like for me, it was necessary to be around other people that were, um, talking this, talking like walking this, walking doing this stuff, because I knew nothing about it. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was lucky. I was lucky that there were some guys in the house that mm-hmm. I went to before me that took me under their wing a little bit and showed me the way a little bit. So the structure is a lot stricter in the recovery house. So it's basically you go there to learn and then you get to move to the next, to the sober house. So the recovery house, can you stay there for as long as you need it? Or is there a time frame before they say you've been in this long enough, it's time to move to the next step? So most recovery houses, at least the ones I've been to, I can't speak for all of them, but essentially you sign like a six month contract saying you're going to be there at least six months you know what i mean um you can stay longer i think i stayed in one for like nine months straight um and that's another there's also uh like chore sheets so like you know however many guys you got in the house so kitchen bathroom stair whatever you know needs done throughout the house and every day you gotta initial it and then like there'll be like a house president or like a a chore guy that like checks to make sure the stuff's done among the guys that are living in the house yes okay. do you, do you cook got, for yourself do you guys choose everything? that person as a group or is it kind of just gave to them usually it's like the owner of the house that okay. appoints some some do it just by uh like length of time in the house like when the person who's been there the longest moves out, like the next person kind of moves up. Gotcha. Do they get any special privileges? You probably picked their chores, right? <laughs> well, like some, some don't get like a chore to do. Um, but, you know, I've lived with house presidents that don't have like an assigned chore, but they're going to make sure like they're helping still, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, some get their own rooms. So it's not every house. It's not every case. Um, some get like cheaper rent, you know, okay. a couple bucks knocked off. Um, so how many guys share a bedroom in these houses? Like, I know they're all different, but is it more than one in a bedroom? So it can be the most I've seen is three. Per so you room. have to learn to like your partners too, like okay and do Uh, they do randoms random drug testing or is it just if they're suspicious they do something i've never i I mean i I couldn't really say um so i mean because it's not state regulated currently right now it's like a little of both okay um I remember the first time I went to a recovery house, uh, I was like hanging out with this girl that I met in rehab and she was getting high, but I wasn't. And like, 
and this is how quickly I learned like word gets around in like a small recovery town because like they pulled me into the office and uh, the guy that was working knew her name knew all the houses she got kicked out of like knew more about her than I did and they asked me to pee in a cup which rightfully so like I said uh, she wasn't doing so great but luckily at that time like I had nothing to worry about Mm -hmm. um you know, but then I also got a call because everybody and her brother was calling the owner of the house where I was getting high at. And uh, so I kind of had to go over there and, like, own up and tell the truth. I didn't have to, but I did. That's what I did. Like, you know, he asked if I could pee in a cup for him. And I was like, oh, kind of don't need to do that when... Do they give you second chances? Or do you have to go out, like, right away? See, that's what the whole being honest thing. Like, honesty goes a long way in these houses. Um, Because at least, like, the owners I know of recovery houses are also in recovery. So they understand uh, addiction or alcoholism. Um, And, like, if... If you're honest, like I wasn't like, I was never getting high and then like going up to them and saying I was getting high in their houses. But like if they called me out on it, be like, yeah, you kind of caught me. You can't. Yeah. Okay. Can't hide it. And then, you know, from there they'll work with you. Um, There's a protocol and that's if they offer it to you. Um, So protocol be like. You know, if you have a dirty urine, most are like three days, and then you can come back if your urine's clean. Because okay. most hard drugs take 72 hours to get out of your system. That's interesting. So, every every recovery house is different. Yeah, like you said, it's based off the owner of the based off the owner and do most people follow through with the sober living after that or they just release themselves and go back out and hope for the best I mean that's like a give or take yeah that's uh, I couldn't really say that Um, people just do what they want to do a lot of times and then when you get out of prison or whatever rehab or whatever some people don't, don't have the finances and I think I've read somewhere you have to have a down payment or something or other to get into a recovery house. Is there any organizations, and I'm just curious that, that you may or may not know of, that helps with that? I know that I just learned a little bit of not one more sometimes helps that. But I often thought about like giving, uh, doing something like that where I would help. They would do like I would give a donation the person I would meet the person and they would tell me you know their story or whatever and I would choose to donate that money does is there any organizations out there right now that do that like sponsor there is I cannot think what I don't know if it's through not one more or not I think it's called Ryan's wish oh yeah that's through not one more is okay it? yeah um I know I was at a house that uses that and uh that because I got that the last time I was in a recovery house. Um, okay. Like the owner, when 
you're doing your intake, it just kind of fills it out for you. And uh, I was just curious, so the listeners, like there's going to be listeners that maybe don't have the finances and think that's great that they have recovery houses and sober houses, but I have zero money. Well, but also anytime I've went to a recovery house, I go there out of rehab, like I go to rehab to a recovery house. I've never had money to give them right away. Um, and I can't speak for other recovery houses, just the ones I've been at, like they're willing to work with you. Um, it's not. So there's opportunity. Yeah. Someone can't say I can't go because I don't have any money. Somebody somewhere is going to help that person get like to where they need to be. You'll start off in the negative. Okay. And like, they'll help you find a job. Um, like depending on where you go, cause everyone can be different, but like they'll help you find a job. They'll help you get like, an ID or your birth certificate so you can get a job um, or social security card. Okay. Um, so you're not allowed to um, go into the female recovery houses. Is that right? Is that a true statement? Somebody told me the guys cannot mix with the girls recovery house. Technically, Matt's smiling, but <laughs> technically is that true? And why is that? Yeah, I mean, you can't. You're not like supposed to do that. I when look when I got sober, um, I was just told all around to stay away from females. And um, I heard that at, at meetings, like at least for the first year. Is it because you're working on yourself? I'm working on myself. Um, okay. I really when I'm when I first started getting sober, I really didn't have like. Looking back at it now, um, not saying I followed the rules. I didn't follow the rules when I got sober, and I got kicked out of the recovery house. Okay. You know. Um, but really the truth is like, I didn't have the capacity to care for another person like that and to worry about another person and like, um, jump into something like that. I see a lot of guys get out of rehab, go into recovery houses and find the girl that they were in rehab with and they're in love in a week and then they're getting high in a month. Um, you know, so. So do you believe, and that's another question you just led into, in recovery houses or sober houses, if one person falls or has a weak moment, I like to say a weak moment, do most of the other ones fall behind and and, and have that relapse as well? No, I mean, that's like an individual thing. Okay. Um, I've watched people go out together, you know, but... I don't know. If you want it, like, if you want to stay sober, you're, you're going to stay sober. Um, you're going to avoid that, I okay. guess. And if you want to go out, you're going to go out. So um, I think any recovery house, like, there's going to be people coming and going and, you know, people relapsing and other people following, some people not. Like, that's just like an individual. So it doesn't necessarily knock the whole house out <laughs> with one person. Because that was the stigma that we heard behind recovery and sober houses is you put a bunch of them together and one falls and then they all become weak and then they all fail as well. So I, I guess they could. But um, it's not typical. Not in your experience anyway. Like there's, there's times where like houses get bad, but it's not even, I don't even mean like drug use bad. Um, like... So I've seen more people get asked to leave a recovery house for 
not following the rules and I have for getting high. Okay. Like I said, because if you're honest and you want help, like, they'll, they'll help you get in rehab. Like, you can come back. But, like, if you're just not following any of the rules and, you know, for lack of better terms, if you're just, like, an asshole and, uh, being mean to everyone and starting fights and not doing your chore and making a mess and like chances are they'll ask you to leave. So I gotta ask you in the sober house what happens when you steal someone else's food? That's fighting words to me. <laughs> I I've experienced that one time. one time when our friend said somebody ate his fruit leaves. So I had to buy fruit leaves because it, it was like crazy. I mean, we've had, like, problems like that. I've been the problem like uh, that. Okay, you stole the food. I mean, there, there was a point. Because um, I got kicked out of the recovery house, and I, I knew nothing about any of this. Like I said, I didn't know how to live. Yeah. Um, I got kicked out of a recovery house because I wouldn't keep a job. I wouldn't follow the rules. Um, you know, I was lying about, like, going to meetings and all that kind of stuff. So they kicked me out, like Matt said. It's usually... Um, People that are just are being assholes. I was being an asshole. Um, was it you were being an asshole, or you just didn't know what right from wrong was, basically, because you never knew how to? Like, I mean, both. I, I know what right from wrong is, um, mm-hmm. but I just, I don't know. It's tough to like explain that. Um, yeah, but that's not even just people in addiction. You get assholes that aren't even in addiction. Oh, yeah. Like they don't tell me what to do. I'm not gonna do what I don't feel like doing. So. I mean, I can't imagine living in a house with five or six and and two other people in the bedroom with me. Like, I couldn't even imagine. But when it's like 12 newly sober alcoholics and addicts who are still like very sick themselves, like, like they're like, you know, emotions can get out of hand sometimes. And like I said, like what I'm talking about right now isn't even about anybody using mm-hmm. or drinking it's yep. just like sometimes you have to know how to talk to people even like some people don't mm-hmm. don't joke around um and have a very short fuse that's whether tough. whether that's right wrong or different you should just know like hey i'm not gonna not gonna mess with this guy like and then you have the jokesters matt's a jokester <laughs> Would you agree, Steve? Matt's a jokester. Absolutely. I like <laughs> I love Matt's personality. Like, it's just hysterical. Like, every experience I had, like, we were sharing before, like, playing ping pong. I'm clearly sure he let me win. <laughs> and they were, like, so competitive with each other. I remember sitting on the sofa that time, and these two were going at it. And we were supposed to go to a meeting. We never got to the meeting that night because they kept playing because they were keeping score. Of who was winning on the dining room table. <laughs> was what there it, even a net? Yeah, it was, was there uh, a net. I can't remember. Because I went and got went to Walmart and uh <laughs> it was like a net you can stretch across and like clip to the yeah. end of the table. Cause we had this really long, like it was almost like this. Like it was an actual table, like, but it was like long, it was thinner, but it was perfect for <laughs> for ping pong. Yeah. Except when you started playing like two o'clock in the morning, and then your roommates had to get up the next morning. They, they had to hear your shift. balls right. bouncing on the table. 
But I mean, they're fun too. Like it, it's fun. It's companionship and people that understand each other. That's I. I consider myself very blessed to live where I live today. Um, Cause it's a lot of fun, and like Steve is, you know, I'd say my closest friend in York, and like even outside of York, like there's serious stuff that him and I talk about. We can just sit downstairs, and listen to music, like, um, like anything, and like I, I'm very lucky to like have someone like him in my life, and just to like live with someone like that. So both of you are not from York originally. No. Okay. Do you feel in some of our other podcasts, uh, people leave the area that they originally lived in because they felt like they had to. Do you either of you feel like you're ever going to move back to where you came from? Are you comfortable here? Yeah. Uh, you know, this became my home. Okay. Um, I built a life out here, you know, uh, and there's just not much where I'm from um you know it's just I know like you know they always talk about like geographical changes and that you take yourself everywhere you go and that's the truth but there's just something special about York to me um I'm staying sober here I don't know what else to say how long have you been sober uh you don't mind me asking December 3rd of 2018 awesome cool we're in rehab together you know it's funny I thought he was dead (laughs) <laughs> you thought he was dead i thought matt was dead um <laughs> Yikes. so we, we were like i said we were in the recovery house <laughs> together in 2017 um for a real brief bit of time like a couple days or something <sighs> like that and then i got kicked out and like we kind of like went our separate ways um and i wasn't doing anything with myself i was just like s- still sick and um i remember like i was relapsing you know i was starting to relapse and i remember seeing matt and like someone told me he was relapsing too and i'm like asking him like yo like let's let's get high you know um he's like nah you know and then like a couple days later i hear he is like dead or something um and then i go into then i end up going into rehab and like i see him there (laughs) (laughs) i was like yo you're alive oh my god yeah but let's talk about that like that's scary you get attached to people And you just don't know. Like, you don't see them for a while, and then you start to worry. I mean, I I still do that. I still worry sometimes. So, it's hard. The loss is hard. I mean, like, someone told me, like, once the road to recovery is, like, paved with, you know, dead bodies. Um, I've been numb to it. You know, I've lost a lot of people in my life. Like, I'm from a small town. Uh, all of my best friends growing up and stuff, they all died, you know, like like loved ones died mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And um, so I kind of came to like accept it and I kind of have like a numbness to it, you know, and as selfish as that sounds, like I'm just doing whatever I got to do. So it's not me. So it's not you. Um, so like my mom and my sister aren't, you know, seeing it on Facebook, you know, and helping it and absolutely like helping anyone else I could. Mm-hmm. Yep. But like, you know, I had to like really accept that I can't save anyone. Um, you know, like I can't, I can't save the world. I can't save people. Um, they have to save themselves. I could just like kind of aid them and be of help and be of service. Yeah. And that's what we're learning through this podcast. Um, Jackie was on with us a couple of times and that's what she said. She said it, it just becomes so normal. Like she, um, overdosed at work 
And she said the people that found her in the, in the bathroom were like devastated. And when she was, I think she went to rehab and then came out and she said she went back and asked for her job. And the manager said, you have devastated people. And she couldn't understand that because she said, that's just what we see. Like we're used to that. And so she couldn't understand the trauma that she caused those girls while they were waiting for the ambulance to come and they didn't know she was going to make it or not. So that's interesting that you're sharing that same thing. So you do have to help yourself. I mean, you can't help others. You have to help yourself. And then we get into the whole conversation. Was it a choice? Is it a disease? And we've covered that on several podcasts as well. But it's good to have a unique friend. And I'm glad Matt made it. That was probably scary for you. (laughs) So you feel like him similar to that? Like that's not scary? No, um, and like the sad truth is, uh, like I remember waking up in the hospital, um, and I was kind of like upset that I woke up, like I didn't want to die, I wasn't trying to die, but like there was still that part of me that was like, everything would have been much easier if I did, um, would have been no pain for me. Cause that's like, that's how selfish, like I was thinking like the, the hurt that it would have caused my family. Like it's totally not fair to them, Mm -hmm. but like I was unable to really think like I was unable to really think Mm -hmm. about anything cause I kind of ruined my brain. (laughs) No, but that's what we talk about. Like it's a disease and people don't understand that. Like you may have made the choice at the beginning, but anybody in that situation and we talk about, I mean, we joked, I mean, we didn't joke, but we talked about it on the way here, like the Narcan, how many times are we going to, you know, people that are uneducated, how many times are like, well, three times and then that's enough. And I'm like, that's not fair. Cause maybe the fourth time that person is going to survive and get help. I understand an uneducated conversation is being had because they don't know. But at any point, you may, like, that's how powerful that disease is. Like, you don't want to die, but you're taking a chance every time you do it that you're going to die. And now there's fentanyl, to your point, there's fentanyl that Narcan doesn't help. And there's more and more of that fentanyl that's out there. And, and it's crazy. But to your point, I'm glad you're with us because, yes, your mom would be going through a hell. And that's one of the things I learned in one of the meetings that I went to in Lancaster where the kids stood up and said, I don't care if I die, what I care what my mom has to go through. And he said, I can't imagine. And then after the meeting, you know, because I like to talk, I'm like, yeah, I said to our friend, like, I got to go talk to this person. I'll be right back. And I literally went and said, like, I can tell you what the mom has to go through. Like, I'm living it today. But they helped me understand. And so... You know, I'm glad that you saw him in the rehab, and and have you been friends ever since? Well, so, <laughs> I mean, you've been together ever since. So, so yeah, we went separate ways. Um, he like I got out of rehab, I got back into the sober house I was in. Okay, I was in there for about nine months, ten months, maybe before I went before I relapsed and went back to rehab. Um, he went to another recovery house after rehab. My landlord took me back. In our recovery house, like, there really are no rules. Uh, my landlord is just another guy in the program that um, he's just doing it to give back. You know, so, I mean, like, the rules are uh, are just um, getting involved in the program, 
you know, cleaning up after yourself, staying sober, and you know, the, no yeah. fighting, no none of that stuff. Yeah. But um, I come and go as I please, like all that stuff. So when I got out of rehab, I had to do this for myself. You know, the first time I was in a recovery house, and it was man, it was mandatory to like go to meetings and get a sponsor and all that kind of stuff. So this time I just was doing it to survive, like because I knew I was gonna die if I didn't, and I wanted to. You know, I wanted to uh, stay sober, so I started doing the things people told me to do. Matt was in the recovery house. Uh, like I said, I knew him a little bit beforehand. Not even good, really. You know, like, we, we were friends, but, you know, like, kind of just more acquaintances even. Um, he must have wanted the same things I wanted because he was in a recovery house. Diving into, you know, a 12-step program is with every, you know, with all of his heart. Um, and I, I learned like throughout my years of like being here that, uh, you know, I stick with people that are doing the same thing that I want to do. And I, I grow close to them. I've made like the friends, I made friends before with like people that, you know, were doing like the wrong things. Cause like initially that's where I go. I want to hang out with the, the chaos and, you know, the action, mm -hmm. the guys who were, you know, um, so, yeah, he was in the recovery house doing the same things I was doing. You know, we have, like, the same home group. We have the same, like, we, we kind of do a lot of the same things together. Um, so when he was six months into a recovery house uh, and it was about time for him to move on from there, um, you know, we've already, grown like, grown really close by then, and there was a bed open at my house, and I said, yo, you're moving in here. And he did. Um in our sober house, uh, there's five of us. Four of us have been sober for quite a while. Um, you know, and like like I said, I could only speak for our sober house. Uh, mm -hmm. We truly just hold each other accountable. Um, that's it. You know, like I said, there are like these requirements. Like you, you do have to uh, be working like some type of program and staying sober and like, and all that stuff, but we, we truly do this on our own, at least me and him do. Um, I can't really say that for everyone, uh, yeah. you know, but me and Matt do, um, because like we know that if we stopped and we know what happens, you know, if we stop doing this stuff and, and, and stop trying to like seek um, a higher power and like spirituality and, and growth, then if we're not going forward, we're going backwards. You know, so there's lots of little things that we do in our house to um, to continue this stuff. And with like with our house, I, I'm real grateful because um, we kind of get to pick, you know, when if someone like messes up and there's an open room, we kind of get to choose the person we want to like move in. There. Okay. It's not just people getting put in there. Um, so we kind of see if, if they're about it, if they're really uh, doing like the right things and they're, uh, you know on the right track and then and, and there's an open room like we'll give them that chance to move in um so we're like we're i'm grateful and like we've been blessed that we we haven't really gotten like the bad seeds that mm -hmm. we were talking about in like recovery house seeds okay. um you know for the most part you know we've had people come and go and you know but for the most part like we've because really you're supposed to um be like six months in the recovery house before you go to a sober house. And uh, 
you know, in our house, um, yeah, like, like I said, like if, if someone's like really, uh, really about this, you know, we'll give them that shot. If like, if I feel like that they're going to, um, contribute and, and, um, try like growing with us, uh, I tell you in our house and I can only speak for our house, but there it's a, it's a great opportunity for someone trying to get sober to be part of, um, we have meetings there, you know, we, we, we do a lot, like we really do. Um, that's awesome. That helps everybody. So in that sober house, it's indefinite. You don't say, okay, I have like six months in a recovery house. You can live in a sober house forever. If, if that's what you want to do and that's what you need to do. I've been living in, I've been living there for three years now. Okay. Um, and, and I'm not ready to move forward yet. And like, that's a lot of things. A lot of people try and rush, uh, getting their own place, the girlfriend, moving in with the girlfriend. Uh, you know, I've been in a relationship for a while, but, uh, I know myself and like, I'm not ready to be on my own yet or like be to like get a, yep. a place with my girl. Um, and that's awesome that you recognize that because some people just want to rush it and then you're back to square one again. Yeah, absolutely. Good for you. A lot of the things that we do in our house are a big part of my sobriety, you know, with, with the people around me and, um, you know, so. And they're your family. Yeah. I saw the pictures him wearing his Christmas outfit. <laughs> That's I was great. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so, Everyone has a Christmas dress. <laughs> He's in a dress. I mean the the funniest even funnier than that was when we were at Walmart and he was like going up to the the employees like asking them like if these like pantyhose would fit him and <laughs> I mean I didn't didn't want to buy something that wouldn't fit. But that's the fun part. Like, that's all fun. That's awesome. So the sober houses, we didn't really touch on there. Obviously, the difference is the, the rules aren't as strict, and you can do more. And there's not like a six-month program. So you don't have to sign in or sign out or attend so many meetings. or It's basically just a place till you're comfortable moving out into the world. Like, for the most part, like, you know, a sober house is essentially like you rent the room, you know what I mean? Like as long as you need to, to just like another step to help you get back on your feet. Um, but like I said, like they're all different. Like, like when I met you in that sober house, like that's very different from where I live now. Okay. Um, you know, um, about having people over, about, like, kind of going places. Like, you don't have to sign in or out there, but, you know, it's a, it was very well, it was different. strict. Like, I had to stay in the, in the yeah. kitchen, the dining room, I think. I wasn't exactly sure of the rules, but like I never first broke floor them. Only. But, yeah, and on the back porch. And I always felt awkward because they had that Tuesday meeting. Was it Tuesdays? I think it was Tuesdays. Yeah. And I always felt awkward, like I didn't fit there, like I shouldn't be there because they're all going around and you're all living in the house and then it's just me. And I'm like, yeah, I'm not sure why I'm here. He asked me to come, but I'm not sure why I'm here. But that's, I mean, then I was welcome. And it was a nice house. I enjoyed that. Yeah, it's fun. Until I mean, we met a lot. I stopped 
doing the things I should have been doing, and I started getting high. So let's just clarify for for listeners, because we have some older listeners, and I was always confused about this too. When you say high, like in our generation, our older generation, when you say we got high, you smoked marijuana. When you say you get high, you're doing more than smoking marijuana, correct? If I can turn a drug into a liquid and put it in a needle, I inject it into my veins. That's what I mean. Okay, so when you say when you say you get high, it's that. It's not. Is it pills? Like I, or? I, sh- I shoot heroin and meth. Okay, okay. So that high because I know one time when you were talking about you got high and I'm like, oh, well, no big deal. They're gonna make marijuana legal anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and then he kept talking. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I don't understand this terminology. So just to clarify that for the older people like me who. When we were young, oh yeah, we're getting we're getting high. Like it was a different type of high. Yeah. Okay. Anything else you guys want to share that might help a listener, um, someone who is struggling, who needs to get into a recovery house, or just doesn't know where to go after rehab, and just or a family that has somebody that's coming out of rehab and doesn't know they're not ready to go home yet, but they don't know what to do with them. I mean, I, I could say it's the best, uh, like the best thing that has ever happened in my life. Um, you know, it, ups and downs for sure. But um, getting out of where I was at and, and giving this a, a shot um, was the best thing that's ever happened to me. Um, my life is it's better than I ever thought it was could possibly be. And I and I mean, and I mean that like just within myself, like not. I don't have shit, you know. Like I said, we, I still live in the sober house, like I, all that stuff. But like, but you're content. I'm so content with it and and happy with it. And um, it's more than what you did have. It, it's it's and it's not even like like that. It's just uh, like uh, and it's it's not the house. It's not anything like that. It's uh, you know the, the internal. Yeah, the internal, you know, feelings I have like. Even just to be able to um, to come downstairs and, like, sit with the guys and stuff. And, uh, you know, every night, like, we sit there and talk about our day. And, like, you know, we take, like, an inventory of, uh, of our day together and, and just stuff like that. Um, you know, I, I never had people around me that I was able to do that with or anything like that. You know, I had sober people around me, my family and my, you know, my mom and stuff like that. But, like I said earlier, they she didn't understand, Mm -hmm. you know, you can't really sit there and I can't really sit there and tell my mom, like, you know, how I've been having this shitty day. I just robbed some guy, you know, like Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Um, or just anything, uh, you know, it's, it's good for me to be around other people who understand the way that I'm feeling inside. Um, and to have the same type of problems as me and to be able to sit there and like talk to them about those problems and, and stuff like that. And that's one of the things that Austin and I say on our podcast. We can never sit here and say, I understand, because we don't understand. So we appreciate when you share with us um, and understand. And, and a lot of times, a couple of times when I went to speak, they said, I wish my mom was like you and understand because you're not judging us. And like, they're comfortable enough. I mean, even college friends were comfortable enough in this house to tell me that he partied and did these things. And it's not that I'm a great mom. It's just that. I'm not your mom. So you didn't do the things to me, but I understand. And one of the things I often say is I wish that my son would have let me know because I know he could have benefited from a 
from talking about it and not hiding it from us. The thing with that is, is like, you know, my mom understands too, like me, my brother, you know, my dad, we're troubled. Um, she's been troubled at points, you know, and stuff mm -hmm. like that. But the thing is, I'll never, like, I love my mom too much to ever tell her, like, tell her that I'm shooting heroin. I think that's what happens. You know, yeah. and that, all that kind of stuff. So it, I, I love her too much to really, um, to hurt her to hurt her and, and talk about that kind of stuff. So it doesn't matter how much you understand. Like, like you said, that's still your son. So, um, it's hard, but yeah. yeah. But from the other end, that's like, if he could have just told me like if he could, and that's why we do what we do today, because I, it's a terrible feeling and the stigma is terrible around drug addiction. I mean, we're trying to change the, the verbiage. We don't use, addict anymore it's substance abuse disorder and things like that and it's it's key like it's key and if we can educate anybody at all like through these podcasts that's what we do see and like for me um like you know i like to call myself a mama's boy um yeah i grew up single mother like me my mom my brother um and she did as much as he possibly could to provide a good life for him and I. And, uh, you know, there's times where, like, I wish my mom would understand more, do more to, like, try to understand or, like, go to, like, they have, like, meetings, like, for parents and stuff. Like, I, I wish she would go to them. But at the end of the day, like, she doesn't have to. She doesn't have to understand. She doesn't have to try to understand mm -hmm. at all. The only thing, like, she has to know is that, like, I'm not taking money out of her purse anymore. Like, I'm not, you know, disappearing for days or weeks. Like, that, like, I'm doing all... That's all she needs to know. Like, mm -hmm. that's all she needs to understand. That, like, the, the things I'm doing are... Like not only just keeping me here, but like, you know, hopefully, you know, being somebody that she could be proud of. So working on you to get to that point. Yeah. It all comes down to understanding and every individual has their own story. And whether you're doing drugs or stealing or whatever, like we all have a story. And it's important for us to share that story with people and, and let people understand that we're all people. It doesn't matter if we live in a big house, a small house. We all have stories. And there's people that have money. We talk about happiness. Money doesn't bring happiness. <laughs> you can have nothing and be happier than that, that famous football player that has all the money in the world. I mean, speaking about money, I have the lowest paying job like I've ever had in my life the happiest I've ever been ever like with any job like this is and if you can pay your bills that's all that you need like we talk about that we actually did a podcast my sister quit a job and went to less money because she just wasn't happy at her job and I preach that every day at work if you don't like it here like go find something because life is too short to be miserable and come into work every day for what because you could die tomorrow. Well, and something else about this job is it gives me the opportunity to 
to like live the life I want to live. And I'm not even talking about like monetary things. Like, I mean, it provides me time. Like I'm not working 12 hours a day. Um, you know, I have time in the morning to do things. I have time in the evening to do things. And like that for me right now is like the most important thing. And plus you're giving back. You're in organizations where you're helping. So it gives you time to do that kind of stuff too. That's what I mean. Cause so when I got out of rehab last time, um, like I guess on paper, I have like a good track record with warehouses like I've been in a lot of warehouses and uh so like you know here in York there's a lot of warehouses mm-hmm. so like if I he not, builds them <laughs> like I'm not trying to sound like cocky but if I apply to one like they'll even through a temp agency like they'll get me right on the next day and then like the company's trying to hire me and like so I was working for it was a concrete block plant I ended up staying there nine months, and uh, I I really didn't mind the work. Like, yeah, it was dirty, it was heavy, but, like, I didn't mind it. But what I did mind was uh, it was 70 hours a week. Oh, my. And I just got out of rehab. I'm living in a recovery house, and, like, you know, I have to do this 90 and 90. It's what I signed up to do. You know, Monday through Friday, 4 a.m. to 4 p.m., Saturday was like at least four to noon. Um, and like, I was very unhappy. Um, I think that's when we reconnected at that one time. And you said you don't have, cause I said, let's go do something. And you said, I work all the time. At the, the 5k or whatever it was. Oh yeah. We saw you at the 5k, the not one more 5k. Yep. Yeah. It's like, I was miserable working there like the whole reason I took that job was because like the temp agency was like yeah it's four 10 hour days Monday through Thursday I was like oh all Friday (laughs) Saturday and Sunday I was like that sounds great (laughs) and if that was it I would have because like they were trying to hire me on there and I wasn't like I didn't tell them like my story or my background but I was like look I have things like I need to do Mm -hmm. like outside of here um you know, these hours kind of prevent me from doing that. Like, if, if they say, like, I don't mind working overtime, but, like, I'm not putting 30 hours of overtime in, like. it's yep. a lot of hours. It wears you down. And then you're, so now you're in recovery, trying to do the right thing. You're exhausted. You're tired. You can't communicate. You can't go to your meetings. And so Thing that was is, nine still, months you did that. Nine I still months. did. Even working that job. I still did my 90 and 90. Um, I still did everything that was required of me at the recovery house. Because, like, at at the end of the day, like, I, at this point, like, I knew I wanted sobriety. And, like, I was willing to do what I had to do to get to, like like, a safe point in my life. I don't recommend working that much to to anyone. I don't care recovery or not, early recovery. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, it's not a life to live. 
we're finding that out also. <laughs> and talking about it, you have to like your job, and you gotta you gotta have time for you and, and find your happiness. And to our point, like you can have everything in the world, and you can just be the saddest person. Yeah, if if I don't um, have time to take care of the things I need to take care of to keep myself okay, then like you know that fat bank account, I'm not, I'm doing nothing with it, it's just sitting mm-hmm. there, and I'm miserable with it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if I don't have time to like help other people and like do the things that it takes me um, to stay okay inside, then I'm no use to anybody. Yeah. Anybody. So both of you follow the twelve steps. Okay. Yeah, correct. Okay, so I just have to ask Matt a question we talked about before the podcast. One of the questions you asked me on that porch chat one day was, "Why do I believe in God?" And I remember I said to you, "If I don't believe in God, I'll never see my son again." Do you believe in a higher power now? I mean, obviously it's part of the 12 steps, but I often wondered where you went from there. I do. Okay. Um, I don't think I can explain it to you. Okay. It's not like that I I don't want to. It's just like I don't know necessarily what it is. I can't tell you what it is. I can't tell you who it is. I don't know because I don't know. Um, but there's somebody that's guiding you. There's something. Something or someone. Okay. Um. So like that, my first sponsor who, how we met, you know, mm-hmm. um, he was your first sponsor. Yeah. And he would tell me to like pray. Cause like I, I had a very like displeasure for the whole God or higher power thing. Like I just was totally against it. All of it. Then like, I don't want to hear about it. Like, um, and like. You know, months of him telling me to pray just to try it out. Like, I finally started doing it. Um, and even while I'm praying, like, I don't know what I'm praying to. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything. Um, and, like, I, I start to notice, like, a change in myself. Um, and, like, why? I don't know. I can't, like, you know, I still... But, like, I continued to pray. Um, But that, the praying stopped. And when that stopped, uh, bad decisions came in. And then I ended up back in rehab. And I don't think, like, I prayed once in that rehab. I got out, went to a recovery house. I think I was there two weeks before I overdosed in the bathroom. Went to the hospital, detox, to another rehab, back to a recovery house. But something that changed was in that last rehab, like, I, I like, prayed as much as I could. Um, and, like, since that, like, I... There hasn't been a day of prayer that I miss, morning or nighttime. Usually I pray a lot throughout the day, too, to kind of keep me, like, level-headed. And, like, I I really wish I could describe it more to you, like, of... But that's, like, for me, what I did. I had to stop asking questions. Mm -hmm. Like, what is it? Who am I praying? Or what am I praying to? Like, what... Like, I don't know. I don't know anymore. 
but it's working. Mm-hmm. So it's a higher power, and it's interesting because they don't listen to our podcast. Um, I'll send you the link in case you want to listen to any of them. Obviously, your own, and that's where Austin was. Like we start talking about God, and he was where you were. Like I believe in something, I just don't know what I believe. Remember that podcast, yeah. and he's still searching. Like he's it never stopped. He's like, still searching. Would you say it's almost like it filled a void when you started praying? Yeah. Um, and like things became easier to handle. You were more grateful, thankful for things. Yeah. Yeah. I know, what you, I know how you're feeling. That's, well, I can't say exactly how you're feeling, but. But as far as the religion part, like the higher power, that's where he was at. I'm sure a lot of people can yeah. relate when they believe in a higher power or God. But I also remember that night out in the porch when he said that, um, after you left, I turned to my sponsor and said, like, I think I just saw God, like, inside of you. Like, well, like, that was a a powerful night, though. It really was. Um, Is that the night that I shared my story and, and the other roommate went in and then came back out and said he lost a family member and none of you ever knew that? Because I freaked out the one roommate. Like, I was telling my story, and he just got up and went in the house. And I'm like, oh, my God, I knew I shouldn't be here. Like, I thought he was pissed off that I was there. And then he came back out and shared a story. And I remember when I was leaving, he said, none of us in this house ever knew that story. And it was just a connection that we had. I mean, you and I connected, me and your sponsor connected. And it was, it helped me as much as it helped you guys. Like, we had a lot of good, fun talks out on that porch. <laughs> so, I mean, like, that's something, um, like, you're talking about connecting and stuff. Like, I I could only give that to, like, a, a higher power. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, speaking of that, like, stuff. And it's as sad as it, as it is, and, like, as much as it sucks, um, I used to, like, blame God or whatever, right, for anything and everything. You know, my dad dying, all this kind of stuff. Um, if I'm seeking a higher power, you know, like Matt talked about praying and stuff like that. If I'm seeking like a higher power, I find it. Um, if I'm looking, you know, if I'm truly like looking, you talked about like, um, seeing God that night, right? Uh, some type of higher power connected us all here, right? You know, today, if you ask me, um, whether it's a tragedy that happened years ago for you that led you to help a whole bunch of people, you know, the tragedy that we've like been through in like our lives and stuff that led us into the, you know, into these same like rooms that we connected. And, um, I can only give this to God. Like I cannot stay sober. Um, I should be dead right now. Like there's never been like a day in my life that like I've been able to, um, keep it together, hold it together and stay sober until, you know, I started, um, and be happy. You know, I, I could stay sober, but be sober and happy was not until I started seeking and praying and, um, and whether that's just like a, a mindset or something, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I truly believe I've, I feel the presence of a higher power through prayer and meditation. Um, there's been times where I've, done meditations and felt like energy around me um 
the reason why she's looking we just had a, our, our last, last podcast, podcast was, was on meditation so you've actually done it i he tried it and it freaked him out it's it is kind of stuff. freaky yeah i get high like me, that. i freaked out the first, the first time, time, time said, i did yeah. yeah the first time i did well, it's a, this one time so like steve and i have a friend who does these sound meditations like uh do they guide you through it yeah like he guides it and he also has the, what are they singing bowls you ever heard of that oh yeah 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 like, yeah opera. i know what you're talking about yeah yeah it makes that like, noise and like he explains it at like there's seven bowls and they're each tuned to one of your chakras. And like I can look at this as, as like the God thing. Do I believe in chakras or these bowls are tuned to your chakras? Like I can't say I believe that. But like what I what else I know for a fact is like after I do that, like I feel incredible. But this one time, like so like that friend of ours that does these sound meditations was like moving and he asked me if I could help. And I was like, yeah. And like, I didn't have like phone service at the time. So like, you know, essentially my phone was off. It's like, like even though Steve and I live together, like we're always like texting each other throughout the day and stuff. Um, it's like, he, like he didn't know I was out there. And like essentially, there's no way to get a hold of me. Yeah, and, you were, uh, you were going through some stuff too at that time. I don't even remember. You were, but like so, I come back. So well, like so, I helped this this guy move, and he has a sound meditation that he's doing. He's like, "Hey, you want to come?" I was like, "Yeah." So like, I come back and like, and like I like not not high as in like a drug induced high, but just like high spirits like. Like, just smiling ear to ear, like, and I felt great. Like, I come back, and, like, Steve was outside smoking a cigarette. He's like, bro, where, like, where have you been? <laughs> so it works. It does. So, yeah, like I said, if you're seeking something, um, you know, prayer, meditation. Um, I, got, I, go out, I, I go out to the lake or something with my girlfriend and just sit there and stare across the lake and, like, Maybe it's just because I'm so grateful for life now um, that, like, I feel it. I see it, you know, like, um, but, yeah, that meditation stuff, like, I don't know why, but um, I remember, like, when I was celebrating my first year sober, um, I practiced. And I used to think this was the corniest thing in the world. You know, that same friend with the, that teaches it and stuff used to try and get me to do it all the time. I'm like, nah, like, <laughs> never. Um, but that's the thing. I never tried any of this stuff before. You know, I never tried prayer. I never tried meditation. I never tried reaching out to people. None of it. Um, so until I started doing that and really trying with like my whole heart, um, I remember prayer. I remember uh, meditating before I celebrated my first year sober, and it was one of the most powerful experiences of my life. You know, brought me to tears. I was I was crying my eyes out. Um, I remember. You know, because I was real nervous because mm -hmm. I had to, like, celebrate and stuff. <clears throat> so I, I started meditating, and and I felt this energy. I felt like like God was with me, um, whatever that might be. Yeah. I felt a, a higher power with me. Um, I felt like my father was with me. Like, it's just, just everything, like, beautiful and, like, happy in my life just kind of, you know, I it's felt there. it. Like, I just, um, so, yeah, I have no... No doubt in my mind anymore that there's a higher power working for me. For me, you know. That's, that's awesome. Does that make you want to meditate now? <laughs> I, I, 
I'm, I'm not afraid to meditate, but I have a problem with breathing. And so if somebody tells me <laughs> to breathe and uh, it's going to happen put her now. You on airplane and you tell her not to. It's going to happen now. I feel like I can't breathe. When somebody tries to get me to control, like breathe in or breathe out, like then I start feeling like I can't breathe. Yeah, like, I, I start questioning myself then every I'm going, time I meditate. I'm like, oh, and I man. start yawning and like in an airplane. I said, to the, don't get in an airplane and ask me if I can get fresh air. Because it freaks me out because there's no fresh air. Even though that vent's on, I know that the window can't open and it freaks me out. So I don't know if I can meditate. I, I smoke a lot of cigarettes. And, and, <laughs> and, when and I'm not in the best shape. When I'm meditating, I'm truly like, oh, man, this ain't good. Like, <laughs> but like, then it gets to a point where it's just kind of like... You forget about your breathing. Yeah. And it's just focusing. It's just, you know, I was just taught to like focus on my breathing and... You know. Well, this video he had us listening to is like breathe in, and he's going, and I'm going. I'm like, turn it off. I can't do that. Like I'm going to hyperventilate. So I would like to meditate. Well, we had a nice chat tonight. Anything <laughs> else you guys want to add? Um, I just want to thank you guys. Um, it was special for me. This, you said you get vibes. I get vibes when I do these podcasts because I learn a lot, and it just. It makes me happy. So I'd like to thank both of you for having us out. Yes, absolutely. You can always come again. Um, we have people that come back, and it's great when people volunteer. People get nervous, and they they'll say, "Yeah," and then they get nervous, and like, "Oh, I probably can't do it." And it's really not nerve wracking. You got nervous. You said it on the podcast in the beginning. Well, I forgot <laughs> what I was supposed to say at the beginning. I mean, yeah. So, okay, good. Like at least for Tuesdays, it's once a month like that <laughs> do you want to be a host did you ever consider no. being a uh what do you call that what a, co-host? a guest a, a guest host where you would bring somebody and ask them questions i don't i'm not i don't know if i could what i don't know i don't know what Steve. questions i would ask i mean i, I really don't know okay uh, I feel like there's more thought involved with that. <laughs> with asking the questions. Yeah, like, no, it's just curiosity. Yeah. I like, could answer questions, if, <laughs> but like, like, hey, how's, uh, how's stuff going? Uh, <laughs> You're funny. It'd just be the shortest podcast you'd have. Like. Yeah, it's always fun. We always learn something and we get like to your point, like something brought us here tonight. Something brought us into each other's lives. You know, something happened that I ran into you on that street corner that day. I really didn't know it was him because I never saw his long beard before. And I'm like walking real fast beside this guy. And I'm thinking, God, please. Again, I'm praying. <laughs> God, please let this be Matt. Because if it's not, this guy's going to be like, what in the hell is she doing? And then I don't know that you recognized me right away either. I think so. Did you? So, but I mean, everything happens for a reason. We're all in each other's lives for whatever reason. So... Thank you, guys. Yes, thank yeah, you for thank having you. us out. Thank you for coming on. Appreciate it. All right. Catch you on the next one. All right, guys. We'll catch you on the next <laughs> one. See you. See you. Bye.